We have new worship songs coming out on a weekly basis. But what if we could go back to the original worship experience? What David heard, what he felt when he wrote his Psalms, what Moses and the Israelites sung when they were standing before the tabernacle. What does worship sound like in God's own language? Well, our guest today is Messianic music artist Troy Mitchell, who has dedicated his career to setting God's word to music and helping us all sing it back to him. He's got a new album out, and we are excited to hear much more just ahead. Messiah Podcast is brought to you by First Roots of Zion, providing Messianic Jewish teaching for Christians and Jews. Put your hand and mind together. We will walk in harmony. Let me introduce you to my teacher, the rabbi from the Galilee. Welcome back to Messiah Podcast, where Jesus is Jewish and that changes everything. I'm here, of course, with my trusty co-host, Jacob Franzak. How are you, buddy? Well, you know what? Um, I'll answer your question with a question. Have you ever um, have you ever eaten something so hot that you gave yourself blisters on the roof of your mouth? Temperature or spice? No, temperature. Oh, yes, of course I have. I mean, I, oh, I wow. Okay. hot pizza so, like that you can't peel the mozzarella cheese off the top of your roof of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm joining the club. So after Yom Kippur, we're filming. We're filming this uh, this episode like not that long after uh, Yom Kippur. We're we're, we're during uh, Sukkot right now, and um, on Wednesday night, I I microwaved some pie after Yom Kippur, and I was so so hungry. <laughs> and my wife had made this blueberry pie like beforehand, and I was reheating it. And I put like three big scoops of ice cream on it. And I thought like, that's enough, right? So it could be fine. And then like I get it into my mouth and the boiling sugar like adheres to my to the, to the roof of my mouth. And like I, 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 I stopped eating after that like longer than I fasted for Yom Kippur. So I'm, I can still feel it. I'm still recovering from that because I guess, uh, I don't know. You just gave I'm me an eating, incredible idea, though. I'm going to yeah. do that in the meal just before Yom Kippur. Oh, that way sure, I yeah. won't be able to eat for 25 hours. Yeah, remove Thank the temptation by branding your and, your... and no one cares about this at all, but now I'm curious, and we'll just have this conversation for the world to hear. Is that really the thing you, the first thing you ate after Yom Kippur, blueberry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ice? It was staring oh. at it the whole time. It was 25 hours, no food. <laughs> No water. Just every time I would come downstairs, I would see this pie, and every time I every time I saw it, it looked more delicious. And I wasn't in that interested in it like the day before. But that like by the time Wednesday night came around, it was like my, there were the whole section of my brain that I share in common probably with like a monitor lizard was just screaming at me like, "Get that pie! Get that pie! Get that pie!" And I oh, I really walked myself right into a corner with this one. Well, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're able to speak again because we have an exciting podcast ahead and it wouldn't be the same if your we tongue do. was stuck to the roof of your caramelized mouth. Yeah. So we have we have a musician and I've I'm a musician. I've done church music since I was in high school and that's like if you can believe it 20 years ago. I and can. You you are <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know I moisturize but that's not always immediately apparent. <laughs> Um, but you, you lead uh, music at your synagogue too, right? What, uh, I do, what kind of definitely. music, what, what kind of mu music do you guys do that d down in, uh, in Macon, Georgia? We, um, have set all of the, we, we do religious tunes set to all of the Led Zeppelin albums. So we've changed oh, all the lyrics. that's fantastic. Why didn't no, I think I'm of just that? Kidding. We do, uh, -huh. uh, Messianic Jewish music. We're a little bit different. I mean, some synagogues, you know, well, in, in all Orthodox synagogues, there is no instrumentation on Shabbat. We handle that a little bit differently. We play guitar and have some music and sing some songs. And okay. I too have been doing that for a long, long time. Do you ever, like I do music. I also do like church music, I do regular, regular church music every Sunday. And sometimes I, I long for like a slightly bigger, uh, selection messianic jewish music is such a niche uh genre do you ever 
Do you ever look at uh, your selection of songs to pick from for any given Shabbat and think, gosh, I just wish there were a lot, a lot more of these tunes to pick from? I really do. I really do. There is a, there is a very limited catalog. And you know what the challenge is? It's a fairly dated catalog as well, because even though we have the likes of, you know, Joshua Aaron and, and, uh, some, there's some some modern music, but a lot of the messianic music that's still played in synagogues came out of the birth of the modern messianic mu- movement, like in the '70s. So it all yeah. sort of has a very similar similar sound. So I love messianic Jewish music. I play a lot of it, uh, but I am thankful for people like our guest today. Who is our guest? Troy Mitchell, and he has a new album. Troy is the worship leader at Beth Emanuel Sabbath Fellowship in Hudson. He is now the proud owner of four albums. His most recent album is just out, and he's here to talk today about what worship looks like in a synagogue context. He is a fresh sound. He is a Hebrew songwriter. He's so many things, and he's been inspirational for both Jacob. I, well, I think, I mean, you lo- you love oh, Troy's yeah. music. I love Troy. Oh, and goodness, uh, of course. Troy is humble and unbelievably talented, and we're here uh, blessed to have him with us today on the podcast. If you want to know the Jewish Jesus, don't miss out on a free subscription to Messiah Magazine, where you'll discover his life and teaching, learn about the biblical festivals, and get connected with Israel. Subscribe for free at messiahmagazine.org. Do it today. Messiah Magazine is a free, donation-supported quarterly publication of First Fruits of Zion. Welcome, Troy Mitchell. Good to have you here. This is this is a musician's podcast today, though we're going to make it accessible and exciting for everyone. But both Jacob and myself are musicians alongside, and we have both been inspired and excited by your contribution to Messianic Jewish music. So oh, yeah. first off, thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure and an honor because uh, you guys... In many ways, I look up to as well. So, thank you. I want to ask the 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 um, the required first question when you interview any musician: What kind of sunglasses are you... those? Oh, sorry, <laughs> right? Ray Bans? No, 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 I don't know. <laughs> you don't the know cheapest the cheapest ones I could get. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> how did you get here? And by that, I mean influences when did you start playing music what do you play how did you get here who 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 got you here whoa besides like you know the obvious hashem but uh i started out what does he play by the way <laughs> he plays the harp i guess David's i know he harp. owns a lot of cattle but i didn't know he played yeah i heard there was a secret chord <laughs> David, oh, David played, played, and it pleased the Lord. Pleased the Lord. I don't know what the instrument was. It was a, David played a B seven, by the way, and it pleased that, the Lord. Was it a major or a minor seven? My, well, it was a it was a major. It was a B seven. Oh, of course. Oh gosh, we Sorry. call that anyway, the dominant seventh. In, uh, in here we go. I said we were going to make this like <laughs> approachable, and it's already yeah. gone off the rails. <laughs> Sorry. Back, so, back, so back. We're bringing it back. Bring it back to. Uh, How'd you get here, Troy? Who I made? Who, here. who helped you become the uh, amazing musician that you are? And I'm always wow. interested in your musical influences, from secular to religious to whatever. How'd you get here? Whoa! All right, so I'll start out with, um, you know, back in elementary school, I guess. You know, fifth grade. I think my brother was inspiration. He he played clarinet and he played saxophone. I started out on clarinet and my fingers just weren't, I don't know, covering the holes right or something. I just got frustrated with it. So I, and I picked up the saxophone cause he plays a sax and he really inspired me a lot. And uh, also learned my first Michael W. Smith song from him. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't know any chords. He just taught me where to put my fingers on the keyboard. And I just, 
played the played the things and I just played that thing over and over and over. Was again. that like my place in this world? Is that <laughs> no. I think no. it was an album before that. It's like that album. I think it's from the album where he's like I was like some looks like some neon lights are on the cover and he's got I can't this remember was the eighties or the nineties? Probably probably eighties. I'm okay, guessing eighties. Yeah, I can't remember what song it was even. I don't even I can't even play it anymore, I bet. But anyways, <laughs> he is a yeah, he got me into that. He just taught me the the chords and and uh, yeah, and then I got in the guitar later on in high school, and got in a band like a Christian band called Bittersweet. I w- we weren't that great, but uh, of course you got a guitar, by the way. Yeah, because, I mean, a, gr- yeah. girls aren't that keen on the clarinet player, but man, they like yeah. the guitar player. So you you saw the future, right? Yeah, I was like. And I had, I saw the shades, you know, like guitar and shades. You can't beat that. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no. That's uh, it hasn't really helped the guitar in that in that regard. No, though, it um, helps a little bit. Huh? You're married now, right? I am married. True. That's there true. Yeah, she she did come to all my shows back in the day. There you, there go. you go. But uh, if you were yeah. playing clarinet, she wouldn't have. No, she's like no offense this, to clarinet players who are who listening. Is, no. By the way, I love who, the clarinet. Who is this loser with the horn? No, I love the clarinet. My mom played the, car- the clarinet. So, so did yeah, mine. That's good. Really? Um, I like a good klezmer clarinet. Oh, yeah. I like to make that thing wail. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> slays, man. <laughs> That's not <laughs> usually how you hear the clarinet described either. I like to make the clarinet wail. <laughs> you have to have the skill, Damien. All right. Okay. Michael W. Smith was an inspiration. Your brother was an inspiration. Other genres? Other genres? Let's see. Jazz. I, I I played in a jazz band in high school. I love jazz and blues. That that just like runs through my blood. Although I'm not the best at it, I just I just can't help but make something jazzy sometimes. So uh, <laughs> jazz so is I, like a particularly complex art form, though. Is that something yeah. you just picked up, or did you have a teacher, or how did you get into jazz, man? Yeah. Well, I just loved it, and so I tried playing it, and um, I wasn't the best, but I played some, and then later on probably in my mid twenties or something. I got uh I found a, a jazz a jazz teacher who taught me how to play jazz piano for a little bit. Wow. It's Bobby Peterson. Um it's kind of a miraculous story how I how I, I met him. I'll just give a little quick story about it. Yeah. So there's a place called oh what is it? Oh, I can't remember the name of the church. It's a big church. It's up here in the Twin Cities. It's Mac Hammond, I think. Mac Hammond is that sound like a familiar name to anybody? <laughs> I don't know. But Matt Cam, I think it's his church, and uh, they have a Christmas special. And I never, I've never gone to this church. I just we went there for the Christmas special a long, long time ago, and they had this guy playing the piano for some of the some of the things. And I thought, I want to learn piano from him. Nice, <laughs> like that would be awesome. I was like, how do I do that? And then I just, you know, it's like that's never gonna happen. But uh, Aaron Eby, he uh, knew this guy. Really, <laughs> we met him, and he went to like one of his jazz concerts. Uh, at the artist quarter back in the day, and he mentioned to him without me mentioning to him that I met, I, I saw this guy playing. He just mentioned to him, Bobby. He goes, "Hey, Bobby, I have this friend that really likes jazz, and I was wondering if you would, you know, be interested in, you know, connecting with him." And he goes, "Yeah, I'd be definitely." So then it just kind of miraculously happened right around that same time. It's just like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> nice. So. That's jazz. Next thing you know, you could play Silent Night in the jazz fusion style. Yeah, nobody knew what song I was playing. (laughs) (laughs) What's the joke? You can play three chords to one million people, or you can play one million chords to three people. (laughs) (laughs) The difference between rock and jazz. (laughs) That's That's good. When I became messianic, I guess like Shlomo Karlbach became a big influence, and Yosef Karduner. I guess that's probably my big. Aton Katz is really good too. So those those guys kind of shaped more my my Jewish um, side of me. 
my I'm not, right. not, not Jewish. I, my, Jew, my Jewish side of my music style. So your Jewish music soul. Yeah. So so you play like a messianic Jewish. Uh, Hasidic klezmer jazz blues is that the genre that you would uh, or is there like what yeah. uh, how would you how would you position yourself amongst the musical genres yeah I, I always scratch my head when I'm looking through CD Baby through the genres they, I, you just keep going it's like nope 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 well, well yes 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 <laughs> maybe that's more like it <laughs> it's like rock yes um, alternative yes jazz yes it's definitely Spiritual, an alternative yes. to something yeah there's a little, alter- yeah, I got a little, because when my band back and when I was a Christian, we were kind of an alternative rock. And then we kind of went more like Led Zeppelin style, like a jam band. Oh, man. So Led Zeppelin had a little little influence in me too, in, okay. in a way, I mm. guess. And back in then, alternative days, I really liked, you know, like what, Stone Temple Pilots, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Very Soundgarden. plush, very plush. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where... I don't know. I can't really describe my style. I just, I like to take the music and see where it goes. I just, especially when I'm recording, I guess, more so than when I'm just playing on my guitar. When I play on my guitar, when I'm, when I'm writing music now, it, it all kind of sounds either like CCM, like Christian music or Jewish music. Mm. Well, <laughs> and sometimes it gets funky. Sometimes it gets like more like uh, Doobie Brothers kind of thing. Oh, nice. That, that style too. So, well, so let's talk about messianic Jewish music artists who quick quick answer who comes to your mind first as the the most well-known top messianic jewish music artist in the world paul wilber paul wilber Mm. has paul wilber influenced you in any way Mm. (laughs) okay so much Uh, i mean he influenced me that i had to play a lot of his songs during worships (laughs) like right worship sets yeah um there's Which, hardly a messianic service occurring on any Shabbat anywhere in the world where at least one Paul Wilbur tune is not played. Yeah, That's, I guess you know he did kind of influence in that way. It, it shapes, yeah. it still shapes you as you learn that style, and I don't regret it for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Joshua Aaron's probably like down, like slightly under that, or about the same level now. He's kind of becoming the next Paul Wilbur, it seems like. But uh, yeah, you know he's a yeah, Torah he's, club leader, by the way. I, Aaron. Yeah. I think I heard that. That's pretty amazing. I thought yeah. I was thinking I need to have a collab with him. <laughs> yeah, that long. would be super cool. I was almost wanting to do it for this album that I'm putting out. I put out and I was like, it's just not enough time. <laughs> I thought that'd be really cool. Have him like do a, like a little verse on there. That'd be pretty sweet. Yes. That would have been great. It would have been awesome. Maybe in the future I'll 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 do a single and maybe maybe put him on there and that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yes, and Jacob would like Jacob and I would like to do that with you too. So we're oh, we're yeah. gonna make we're gonna oh, say yeah. that publicly so that we're held accountable to it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. If you need someone with a big giant sledgehammer of a bass, uh, <laughs> I, I can be there for you. That's awesome. I need bass players. <laughs> oh no, I mean I mean if I can play the bass too. I mean, well, who can't play bass? There's one string at a time. I mean, for, <laughs> for heaven's sake, trying to teach someone how to play the guitar versus teaching them how to play the yeah. bass. I mean, it's one string. It's versus like having to keep keep track of six or the piano, where you have to keep track of 80, 88 different ones at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, bass guitar. Anyone out there who who can't play any instruments, uh, con- consider the bass guitar. Everyone needs a bass player, and <laughs> yeah. you're playing one note at a time. It's it's a great place to start. And it's a guitar. And it's so a guitar. It carries you know? that that cool factor with it. Yeah, right? the the raw attractiveness of the the guitarist lifestyle will bleed into you just a little bit, not a whole lot, because the the bass is not nearly as good. It's not, it's not nearly as cool. But it only bleeds in two thirds of the way because it it's only it, four strings. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a five string, so you know. Oh yeah. Whoa. Well, and there are six. Anyway, here we go again talking about all these things. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but I the, I had a point in asking the question. So yeah. Paul Wilbur, Joshua, Aaron, they're doing a thing. What kind of took you in the direction that you've gone, which is you know primarily Hebrew music. Yeah, um, I know you. Ha- I know Awake yeah. was a big. Is a there's a lot of English on Awake, but I'm thinking back, Yoke of the King. You know, there's mm-hmm. and and now here here's the big reveal. Tzion, the new Troy Mitchell album is out, yes. and we're going to talk about it. But yeah. Hebrew, Hebrew. I mean, it's it's yeah. 
it's a different genre. Yeah, it is. It's it's a different niche, and uh, you know, um, not everybody likes it. Because <laughs> I, I like English, you know. Of course, it's, it seems natural that you like the language that you can understand. Right. But I think I got into Hebrew. I became Beth part of Beth Emanuel because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a miraculous in, uh, transition from being a worship leader at like an Assembly of God church and then going to be like a worship leader at a Messianic synagogue. Oh, why is that um, odd at all? That seems totally logical. <laughs> <laughs> it's miraculous. This is just how it happened. It was just like I, I, I put my resignation, resignation in at the church and then unbeknownst to the Beth Emanuel, they offered me a position there. You know, they didn't know that I, I put my resignation in there. Mm. So, and I got, I got a place at Beth Emanuel and I started playing there. And um, then I started, I had to learn Hebrew songs because I didn't know a lick of Hebrew. <laughs> you know, I first wow. started going to Beth Emanuel. I, I went to Beth Emanuel at the same time as I was a worship leader. And I remember being down, you know, after, you know, everybody has lunch on, at the Messianic synagogues, they call it Oneg. Oh yeah, you know, after, after Kiddush, you have like you have some food, and then we're all sitting there, and Aaron's there, and he Aaron Eby, he's like, I want he's teaching me a song. It's like my first song I ever learned in Hebrew, and I felt like just a buffoon trying to say all these these <laughs> syllables and consonants yeah. and vowels. So the first song was Vehula Mekablim. So uh, I learned. I learned it very slowly. It was very, very, uh, I don't know how you say it, but I just was like, and I probably didn't really sound very authentic back then. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to imitate myself back then, but I'm sure I wasn't pronouncing it quite right. <laughs> you were just a young boy at the time. Uh. Yeah, a young boy in my, I don't know when I was. So it's like may they all they all accepted upon themselves the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Mm. That's the song, and I just kept. And it's one of those songs that you just start singing slow, and you just keep on getting faster. So it was kind of nice that way. So I just started. And I I heard another song it was called Yemin Hashem. I heard some guys singing it around the table one time. I was like, that is awesome. I gotta learn that. And so I just might really like pique my interest in the Hebrew. I really just connected with it somehow. Um, I don't know, it just spoke to me in a yeah. different way. Maybe, maybe not necessarily I could understand all the words, but I don't know, just the, the language connected with me in a way. I well, and how long ago was that? Wow. So so I became part of Beth Emanuel, I guess, for 18, 19 years ago. Wow. It was like when my second daughter was a baby. So that's okay. kind of how I always measure things by your kids. <laughs> it's like, yeah. when my kid was born, that means that's So your new album, which we've mentioned, Sion, um, is exclusively in Hebrew. Would you say now? Would you say now that you're that you're fluent? I mean, because it sounds to me like you have great facility with this this b- biblical language. Is that uh, how you would put it, or no? Mm, I wouldn't call myself fluent. Um, I know a lot of Hebrew. I don't. I I can carry on a very simple conversation in Hebrew with somebody. And I know a lot of liturgy prayers, you know, and, okay. and stuff and psalms. I don't, I don't know. I just can't say like I could just like start rattling off like and go to Israel and start like and not get killed. Oh sure. <laughs> say yeah. But um, yeah. So not that kind of fluent, but I I know Hebrew pretty well, um, and I'm still learning. I just yeah. Well, I guess in that case, what inspired you? Because I've I've heard some of your earlier stuff, and like you said, you know, your previous albums, you had some Hebrew, you had some English. But Sion, the new album, available now, 
uh, podcast <laughs> listener. Tion, available now. Um, you, all the songs are in Hebrew, and I listened to this thing, and it's just absolutely gorgeous, but I wondered sort of whether that was an intentional, like, are you making a statement? Is this a... Mm -hmm. uh, is this like the next evolution of Troy Mitchell's style? Like it's only Hebrew from now on, or is this like a theme of the album, um, or is it just a coincidence? Like, what's tell us about Sion yeah. and and the yeah. process behind this album? That's a good good question. So the first two albums were kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, as you said, there's English, Hebrew, and there was like one Greek song on each of the albums. Oh, a Greek song. Yeah, yeah. I thought well, that's I thought, special. Yeah, I thought that would be special, but nobody else thought it was that special. Well, I'm sure <laughs> there's for one guy, one guy yeah. in Greece that yeah, said, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there's and like then, one person in the Greek Orthodox Church who's like, this is what I've been waiting for. How come I only got one of these? <laughs> yeah. When I did Awake, I was like, I, I really like Hebrew. And I wanted, I just, I like doing Hebrew songs. And, but I also want, I, I want to have English songs as well. I thought, so I just thought I would try to do an English album and see how it takes and see how, what people think and how people like it and if it takes off. And then it, the test was I was going to do one of those and I was going to do a Hebrew one and just kind of see how it goes. Okay. So this has so, been in the works for a while. You've been thinking about this. Yeah. So I was like, it's very intentional. Like I was going to have a Hebrew album only. So I don't think I'm going to have just Hebrew albums. I don't know if I'm going to have any more albums. I don't know. I might just release singles. What? I might just do singles. It's don't, so don't much drop work. that on the podcast audience. Jeez, <laughs> Troy, Troy Mitchell retired. <laughs> not doing more albums. The final <laughs> interview. No, just former <laughs> guitarist. Uh, uh, I mean, it could happen. I, it's just so much stress and a lot of work. You know, mm. it's, um, but I would do it. I guess I would do another one. But it just seems like doing singles is so, so much easier. You know, it's mm. like less less stressful. I'm not going to stop putting out music for sure. I'm no, going to keep on putting out music. Um, I might do another album someday, you know, I'm going to try to do some more heat for more English stuff. Um, we're kind of working on trying to do with Daniel Lancaster, trying to do some more hymn type stuff. I haven't. I would say hymn. To... Do you mean like traditional Christian yeah, hymn stuff? Kind of hymn style. Okay. Um, and you can sing them kind of like Awake, Awake, O Zion's Hope. That was kind of, that was supposed to be kind of like a hymn. And I just kind of made it more contemporized and like Christian contemporary style. Um, but you can take those lyrics and you can sing the pretty much most old hymn melodies. So it's like, mm -hmm. Awake, O Zion's Hope. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can, for, for the most part, you can take them and do that. So, and then people could take these words and put them to old hymn melodies, which is kind of cool because that's, that's kind of what, you know, the Jewish culture does. It, they don't take, old hymn melodies, but they they take a set of words and they'll stick it to any melody they want or whatever yeah. fits, you know? So you'll there's like 10 melodies to Yom Zeh Mechubad or Yom Zeh Israel, wow. you know? So, <clears throat> so that's kind of, a, it might be a project coming up. I might, might work on that as well. The Hebrew hymnal. I like it. Ooh, it's Goodbye. even alliterative. Yeah, it'll be in English. So everybody will be able to sing along. And then if people want Hebrew ones, they're going to have to do that themselves. <laughs> oh, no. Well, so let me ask you a, a, about the inspirational theme thread that's running through Tzion. I understand why it's in Hebrew. I understand that was in your mind. What What's the inspiration um, content-wise? What's the message of the record? Is there one? Yeah. I think Sukkot, I think it has a lot to do with Sukkot. There's lots of songs on there that um are very appropriate for the season um i could and a, and a lot of prayers that you do say during sukkot um so there's like you you shall rejoice in your holidays mm. and you shall surely be happy or david malka mashicha the that one is like uh, david the the anointed king may he rejoice with us and that's mm. that's liturgy that's part of liturgy. It's part of liturgy in Milavi Malka, and it's also at the end of Simchat Torah when you're dancing around the scrolls. And I think the last, the last round when you bring the Torah scroll around, there's this part in the liturgy that says that it says, mm -hmm. "David, the anointed king, may he rejoice with us." So I always think about that when I'm thinking about that song. I think like someday, you know, I'm going to rejoice with Mashiach, you know, as we're carrying the Torah around, and one day 
he'll be he'll be there with us and we'll all be in like a big dance circle and that just rejoicing. So I look forward to that. So it has this very Sukkot feel and that's very appropriately. We released it right before Sukkot and that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, that's, and Sion is kind of, you know, that's redemp- redemption, you know, Sukkot is kind of like the end and Sion, you're all looking forward to Sion. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if you want me to go into like the album cover and that kind of thing with that, but yeah. Well, why it's not? Kind of, it's a, oh, yeah. it's a podcast. Somebody's going to, yeah. people, everyone who's listening is going to own the record. So they'll want yeah. to, yeah. they're looking at when they see the, the album cover. And by the way, we're recording this during Sukkot. So oh, yeah. as soon as that you gotta you gotta get the record so that you can sit in your sukkah and listen to these songs and be a uh-huh. part let this be a part of your Zeman Simchatenu, your time of rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Album and cover, Troy. Sorry, what do we got? Definitely. So yeah, there's um the guitar I used in there is from my brother. He makes like he makes handmade guitars and Ooh. I was oh. able to acquire one. Um Thank you, Terry. <laughs> so yeah, so he makes uh, it's called Vine, guitar- Vine guitars, and this out al- this uh, model he has is called Zion. And when I was, I don't know what what, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but uh, I don't know if I named the album first or I got the guitar and I thought that should be the name of the album, Zion. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very appropriate. So there's a lot of pictures of the guitar in the album. So people are wondering like, why is he taking pictures of his guitar? That's really weird. Um, <laughs> but no, it's because it's 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 Zion. That's the name of the guitar, and so that that has a lot to do with it. Um, so the front cover is it says Zion, and it has has like uh, Magen David around it. The Magen David is formed from a psalm, Psalm sixty seven, which is one of the songs on the album. Uh, and that that picture is called the Shiviti. That word comes from. Psalm 16, uh, where it says, I, I placed the Lord before me always. Mm-hmm. And these Shivitis usually have Hashem's name in the middle of it. So I'll have like the four, four letter name of God, um, which is cool. So then you usually put it on your Eastern wall. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, just helps your Kavana. Like it's kind of like a, a focus. You're setting the Lord before you. It's like you're literally setting Hashem's name <laughs> before yeah. you. And yeah. then, yeah, so you, you pray. It just helps you mark that direction where Jerusalem is. Hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the thing. There's other versions of it. There's like one that has a menorah. That's what yeah. we tried to get first. So Psalm 67 is shaped in the form of menorah, and then uh, Hashem's name is above it. You know, So oh. that's the initial one I wanted to do, but it just wasn't working out. Yeah, and so we we uh, we went with uh, the Star of David version, and see one. That's cool. Uh, I'm also now intrigued, and will be speaking to your brother and saying, "I know your brother. Would you build me a guitar? <laughs> you make me a guitar?" Well, and he'll say, "Yes. Will you pay me for it?" And I'll yes. say, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking at these guitars. By the way, are they I named am. after your children? Yeah, as you think. Um, yeah. What, so yeah, he has a, a Zion and he has an Eden and right. a Miriam. Right. Eden is my second daughter. Right. I don't have a Miriam, but uh, they're all really cool names for guitars. I was like, that's just really cool names. Um, yeah, they're really beautiful guitars, and, and it uh, sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It's. Yeah. I, I, this might be a dumb question, but you did you did play it on the record, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I played. Yeah, I good. think. It's beautiful. Um, all the songs except for one. Okay. I and I know that it. one because it wasn't beautiful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did, oh, that was because it's a re-release. It, that was a re-release of a single, Visa Machta. I released that one earlier and just never got much traction. So I thought, since it's a Sukkot album, yeah, I'll stick definitely. it on this and it fits it perfectly. And of so that was recorded with like a tailor or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. But. Oh yeah, some trash. Uh, some yeah. trash guitar. Trash. Some Taylors. trash Bob, Bob Taylor. <laughs> their Save the Whales finish on there. You know. <laughs> Jacob plays a tailor. I do play I, I love tailors. Tailors are beautiful. That grand auditorium body, man. I mean, the, when, they, when they try to go outside their wheelhouse, it gets a little weird. But when they make the thing they're famous for, it sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's true. They, just, they make a solid guitar for sure. Here we go it. again. <laughs> you know, I had one stolen from me. 
I had a Taylor. I had a, and this is before I knew the Grand Auditorium model was the best. I had a Taylor Seven Ten, which is like a mm. twenty five hundred dollar guitar, and this was like twenty years ago, mm. um, stolen from my dorm room at a Christian college. Mm-hmm. So we can all just weep and have a moment of silence for that. Uh, I, I had a guitar stolen as well, not that kind. Is it Takamine? Takam- oh, Takamini. 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 How we day plays a Takamini. Takaminis are good. They're man. nice. It was- That's like for the price. It was solid. And yeah. then I got, it's still right at our church. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. went there, it's like, it's gone. It's like, what? Did, yeah, did, what the heck? Luckily, I have insurance. I got What's insurance. What's the lesson here? Don't play the guitar around religious people. They'll yeah. steal them. <laughs> just I like that stuff. Yeah, just uh, keep your eye on it. You got to take it home with you. You can't yeah, leave keep, it. Yeah, you can't just leave it there. Don't but, leave guitars I got a, unattended. I got a Gibson from the insurance money with that. And then. Ooh. Uh, like you, came, you came out better. A Gibson acoustic? Yeah, acoustic. How, how do you like that? CL, it's a CL35 or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's, it's my, I think of that as my, my workhorse guitar. Right. I like that one. It's, it's still charming. It's got its charm. Okay. It's a nice guitar, but uh, yeah. They all, they all have charm, different charms. But I really like the Zion. The Zion guitar is, is more powerful. It's just, it just blows the other ones away, leaves them is in it- the dust. Is it like a dreadnought yeah. shape or is it like smaller? What it what kind it's of It's a big a... one. It's a jumbo or something like that. Okay. Oh. Nice. So and the wood he used is just yeah, it just kind of just resonates. It's got this deep, deep throaty sound. Well, what kind of wood it. is it? Don't leave us hanging. Gosh, what was it? What was it? It was a uh, Adirondack Adirondack Spruce. Spruce. Yeah. Adirondack, Adirondack spruce. spruce for the top. What's the back oh, and the sides? Gosh. Oh man, how you're putting me on the spot. What is that Cocobolo? Co- co- Cocobolo, I think that's a neck. I think the Cocobolo oh, okay. is a neck. Because I have a Cocobolo guitar. Oh, awesome. I, oh, I think there's some kind of rosewood around the sides. I think. Yeah, probably East Indian rosewood. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. yeah that's that's a, beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice. I just, I love it. Just because we're doing what we said we wouldn't do, I'll just go ahead and let everyone in. The back and the sides are East Indian rosewood. The top, the top is Adirondack spruce. The yeah, fretboard, yeah. the bridge, the headstock, Coca-Bola. Sitka mm-hmm. spruce for the bracing, and the inlay is abalone. It's got a bone, nut, and saddle. you got to have the bone. Troy's mm-hmm. brother makes these guitars, vineguitars.com. There you go. Check it out. There you go. Right, big big plug for vine. Big guitars. plug for vine guitars. <laughs> yeah, can never have too many guitars, though. Really, that's true. Guitars are like friends <laughs> and shoes. I guess shoes. Like, I know. it's like what, what, I didn't what, know uh, that shoes are to women, you, guitars are to men. <laughs> I have, I think I might have more shoes than my wife. I'm not sure about that, though. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard that. I've, not not from you, but <laughs> I've heard guys that have lots of shoes. <laughs> I have the the editor, Jeremy, the editor of our podcast is probably somewhere off site, just turning red, thinking about all the editing he's going. No, this is all good. This is gold. This is what people come here for. What kind of guitars should I buy? Cocobolo, Adirondack Spruce, man. (laughs) Troy, what's your favorite style of loafer? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I got bad feet. I don't wear shoes. I wear sandals most of the time. So there we go. Bad feet. Torah Club is the world's fastest-growing Messianic Jewish Bible study. You can start or join a club today at TorahClub.org. Know Jesus better through an in-depth small group Bible study and fellowship with other like-minded disciples. Start a club or join a club at TorahClub.org. Torah Club is where disciples learn. I don't know if everyone in our audience knows, but Troy is a blind musician, which actually really would work good for a blues career, too. We could call oh, yeah. you like, you know, I don't know. We need a better, uh, we'd have to blues. think through that. But yeah. in thinking of your recording process, do you do you do the um, album mixing recording? You have an engineer. You, sit, you said you don't love doing albums. I was wondering if it's because you're doing the whole thing yourself, and that would be yeah. it's quite a task. Yeah, I I pretty much besides like the mixing and mastering, I yeah. do pretty much everything else. So wow. uh I play all the instruments, um record them and get the levels, you know. 
So I, something recently I, I just started doing in the midst of this uh, album, uh, two songs in, I decided this really stinks. It's very hard. <laughs> I know, not that. Wait, see, the, see my frustration music? with albums? Hence the big announcement. This big announcement. is our last stinks, man. <laughs> you can pick up this album at uh, ffoz.com. It really stinks. <laughs> it really stinks. No, but just the process. So I'll, I'll describe it, and you'll probably you'll probably agree with me how it stinks. So basically, I have this like a Tascam DP twenty four recorder, getting technical again, mm. um, all in one recording, you know, thing. So you plug your mic into it, and then you plug your headphones in, and you start recording, which is great. It sounds like really easy, except for it has like this digital display on there, which I cannot see. Right. <laughs> so anytime yeah. I want to create a song, anytime I want to check levels. Uh, save a song, you know, export a song, anything. I have to like call my kids over and it's like, mm. kids, can can you see this and you know do this and, nice. blah, 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 blah. and like, it's really 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 annoying to have to like pull on them and use them like that. Um, so uh, that is yeah, two songs in, and it doesn't have a sequencer on it, mm. so no no quantizing. So you have to like really play the beat exactly and i'm like playing these drums in i'm like it's just slightly off but it's really annoying me it's like i could oh, yeah. if i could just quantize hit the quantize button if i had right. one of those I'd just sync it right up and then i'm done but no yeah. i spend two hours trying to make a bass drum part <laughs> it's like oh no so so th i just got really so that's what stinks so that's all that kind of combined and i said i need to figure something else out so i just went on online i went on like facebook and there's some blind groups that, you know, are specific for blind people and blind people in technology. It says, is there any recording stuff I can get as a blind person to, you know, so I can record stuff? So then I um, I looked at, uh, they suggested uh, some group uh, that, that helps train people. And, and I also got, just started searching around other places like YouTube and looking in a Pro Tools. So I got a Pro Tools set up mm. and a Mac and mm -hmm. and and found this WhatsApp group for blind people that use Pro Tools. And so these these groups, they help you and they show you how to use this with voiceover. So I can, now I can check all my levels all by myself. I can, I can name a song, I can export a song, I can do tons of stuff. And I'm still learning a lot because there's just so much to Pro Tools. Wow. Um, and then there's a, another, like complete control. They call, but it's all spelled with K's instead of C's. Yeah, yeah. Complete control. They have an accessible keyboard. It's right here by me. Um, can't, probably can't see it, but um, complete control. It's really nice. It has a speech option. You hold down the shift and you press whatever button, and then it, and it starts starts talking in your computer. So you mm -hmm. could touch the knobs, and it'll tell you what it, they do. And then, and it's really accessible. So I've been just floored by that. So it's just been night and day. And it took me like three months to like start learning that or two months. So I had a big pause in the middle of my recording process, just like banging my head on desks and stuff like that. Cause it's <laughs> learning all this stuff. I'm just learning all over again. Cause it's not like it was back in the day when I recorded <laughs> right. the real, the reels and you know, right. real yeah. consoles. And yeah, it's so it's, it's a different animal nowadays and there's a lot more terms it's just not just simple stuff anymore. So that that's how I do it as a blind person. That's impressive. It's very, very oh, impressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. So that's the, so that's a little bit on the technical side of your process. I thought I would I wondered um on the creative side, because I don't know about Damien, I, I've never had a problem learning other people's songs. Like when I was in high school and started doing this worship leader thing it was uh you know hillsong and vineyard and whatever mm -hmm. and then it was like chris tomlin and matt redmond and now i don't know bethel and vertical church and the i don't have a problem learning other people's songs you're out there writing your own songs which is a whole different beast um creatively speaking and i wanted to ask about that a little bit and specifically um because you're the worship leader at a synagogue, at a Messianic synagogue that actually takes the halacha seriously. And on Shabbat and Yom Tov, the, the high holidays, you guys don't have sound reinforcement and you don't have 
any instruments, correct? That is correct, yeah. So for those of our listeners who don't know, you can't play instruments on Shabbat and Yom Tov for a variety of reasons because, you know, it's a it's a it's Shabbat, it's a holiday. And I wondered about because, you know, you, you listen to a lot of music today and it's great and I love it. You know, I just got the new Ren Collective album and I listen to it all the time and but sometimes, you know, they rely on the the instruments to fill in where maybe they don't have anything to say or any like melody to sing whereas in traditional mm -hmm. like synagogue melodies all you have because you have to be able to sing this this stuff on shabbat and yom tov all you have is the melody so you're mm -hmm. there and i've been there at beth emmanuel when you're leading your canting and stuff on shabbat and yom tov and it's just the voices it's just the melody and i thought well that's kind of interesting because that's like a different approach to songwriting right if all mm -hmm. you have is the melody, then you're going to pour all your effort into that. And the melody has to be good and it has to be memorable. So I wondered if that like had influenced your general approach to songwriting. Yeah, it definitely, definitely has. And listening to some of these Shlomo Karbach and Eitan Katz and Yosef Karduner, they have these like one-liner songs, which some of my songs on this album are. There's one-liner songs where you don't need, you don't necessarily need a band behind it, behind you to sing these um, which is the intention of a lot of these songs that are on this album. Some of them are not so much, but uh, yeah, leading leading uh, leading a service with no drums, which is and no yeah. piano, no guitar. That's a totally different experience than leading in the AG church back yeah, in the day. Right. You know, you can like you could just mellow out to some chords for a little while, you know, and yeah, yeah. And, just duck and then, out and let the electric guitar guy noodle yeah. around for 10, 15, 20, 25, <laughs> uh, 30, 30, 45 minutes. So yeah, it's like you could rely and you could rely on, you could do these syncopated rhythms with the vocals and people could follow a little easier and yeah. you could rely on the, the rhythm section there. But when you're in a synagogue, you can't just start singing. Like I can't think of a song that, doesn't that needs like really needs like a boom 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 uh but uh yeah you, you can't rely on that so you you the all the melodies are are formed in that way kind of like a hymn like a hymns are yeah because a lot of those were sung with just an organ or or just vocals sometimes yeah yeah so that's, no, those are those are really nice and in my head i'm thinking of the contrast between a song like your love never fails it never gives up which is all yeah. like syncopated and something like Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael, hi. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's right on the beat every time. Yeah, exactly. So that really kind of shapes, shapes my, at least the uh, melody ways, how I, how I make a melody and, you know, how much space I put between the verse and the chorus. When I, when I write these songs, I, I write them on my guitar usually, or most of the time, or on, on a piano rarely so i'll play them and they, they kind of sound like you know bouncy jewish songs sometimes mm -hmm. and and i think and i sit down in the studio and i i'll pull up my keyboard here and i'll play like a chord on the piano and it's just like some i'll have some kind of sound up at, at that time i don't know which one it is depending what the song it is and i was just like whoa that just changed what this song is going to sound like and so i just I just go with it. I was like, I don't know where this is going to lead, lead me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a good example on this album is Matai Timloch is, is one of those songs that, you know, uh, typically how I play that song is I got my guitar and it's like very Shlomo Karlbach. Like it's like, Matai Timloch, you know, it's just very Nagoon like. And uh, yeah. And when I sat down in the studio, I played it. Played it on the piano. I just played the first chord, and I was like, "Whoa, that sounds very dark." It wasn't very <laughs> cheery, cheery anymore. I had this more like really kind of embraced the feeling. I think of that prayer where it's like you're saying, "Like, when will you reign in Zion?" It's like you're just in this dark place. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's I'm trying to capture with that song. It's like you're in this dark place, longing for you know his his reign to return, and you know, like speedily, soon, please just come and dwell there. 
and that's kind of where I went with that song. And then that's what happened. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting that, but that's what happened. It certainly helps to be able to play every instrument, doesn't it, Troy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's it's out of necessity because I can't afford musicians. They're expensive. <laughs> was that I, you, by the way? Was that you? I'm, now I'm that I know cheap, you play though. the sax, <laughs> was that you laying down that fat, uh, sax solo in the first uh, track of CEO? Well, I did play sax, but no, that was my brother. Okay. So he uh, he plays sax. He, he plays it very well, and I could never compete with him on that. He he just rips on that thing. Is it the same brother that makes the guitars? Yeah. Oh man, he's got these nice saxophones, and they're they're beautiful, they're like black, and they have like gold, oh, like wow. mostly black, and they have gold keys and stuff like that. They're silver keys. I can't remember, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, he played the sax. So he's my one musician, and and he's you know, offered to do it for free, even so. Oh yeah, and he. He, it's really cool because I could just send him the track and digitally, and then he recorded his spot down in Florida, and then sent it back up to me, and I sent it off to the mastering mixing guy. So. mentioned your worship quote worship leader past that's your career um let's talk about worship the term worship from a christian perspective you know we have well from a jewish perspective it, it means one thing and we have a lot of different words to talk about worship avodah service we have shecha we have halel we have all of these different things each with their own sort of individualized meaning but when we think about I, we're, let, we're going to worship the Lord in church, it usually means pick up a guitar and let the band go, and we're going to you know raise hands and sing, right? Mm -hmm. What is in your mind as a as a musician playing primarily Jewish music and sometimes even not doing it with any instruments? What is worship from a Jewish perspective? What what Whoa. what does it mean to worship God? As I guess as it connects to music too, because there's yeah. a lot of different ways to worship God. But I mean, in a musical sense, in a musical sense, yeah. So yeah, you you, you just said it. Yeah, it's like worship in a Jewish Jewish context is in daily life. You know, it's like right. You you know everything becomes that mm -hmm. in a way. You know, so in the music sense, it's kind of like. It's more like getting, they call it kavana. Like your kavana is like your intention, intent. Yeah. Like, like your focus, your focus in worship. Like uh, how much your heart is really into it and you're, you're connecting with the words. Your heart attitude. Yeah, you're, you're connecting with the words. The words are popping off the page and they're coming alive as you're reading them out of the prayer book and stuff like that and different levels. Um, there's different levels, I think, of Kavana. I don't know them personally. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, worship is like, yeah, connecting with the words and then obviously correct, use those words to connect you with the creator. Um, I, I would put it that way, simply. I think, I think that's the way I would describe it. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's mostly your soul. Yeah, getting your soul to connect with, yeah, with Hashem. Very slow Karabakh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of good things. It's going to take people a second to figure out where this is going. A lot of good things started in the 1970s, right? Um, Damien, did you, did you get your start in the 1970s? I did. 1972, you, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah I started in the, the 70s. <laughs> All right. So, you know what else started in the 1970s? Messianic Judaism, the modern Messianic Jewish movement, and the modern Christian, like contemporary music, no longer just organs and pianos, but we got electric guitars and, and drums Jesus and music. all that. Yeah, Jesus music, all, a lot of stuff grew out of this Jesus movement back in the 1970s. Interestingly, uh, contemporary Christian music grew into a billion dollar industry. Messianic Judaism, 
not, not so much. So much. <laughs> However, as someone who is a contemporary musician and who is inhabiting this Messianic Jewish space, you're in a unique position to tell us, what do you see as far as the future of the Messianic music scene? Is there a demand for this kind of music? Is it growing? Mm. And, you know, who might be, who listening out there to the podcast might be interested in picking up, for example, a Troy Mitchell album? Yeah, Messianic Judaism is a niche. Um, so it's a hard thing to succeed in. Um, I don't know how well it'll catch on. I think Joshua Aaron probably does a pretty good job because he kind of is connecting like more like a worship music style mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I think Paul Wilbur similar to that i think as people awaken to jesus you know being jewish and stuff like that some of this stuff could catch on maybe they won't necessarily like the hebrew songs but then again there's like mikedem and they're kind of taking off as well in their own right and every one of their albums is all hebrew mm-hmm. so so they're, they're they're finding their niche and so i think people have an appreciation for it it's just uh it's just going to take some time. And I don't think we'll, I don't know if, I don't know if my stuff is going to replace, you know, I could sing of your love forever, that song or something. Nice. <laughs> or shout to the Lord or something like that. But Oh, Darlene Ziszczyk. That's a callback right there. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of good stuff way back there. I remember playing all those songs, but mm. uh, Jewish music, when they play it, it's, it's in, sometimes like in a, like a normal Jewish context, they don't have worship services like that. Like they don't, all right, we're going to sit around and read slides and worship to this song, this band. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jewish context, they have kumzits, you know, or like farbringens and stuff like that, where you're like, you have a, it's like a concert, but you're kind of like, you're part of the concert. Mm-hmm. And there's like, sometimes there's dancing and stuff like that. And, and depending on the, the events, there might be a study, you know, and, it's a it's a different kind of style, and so my my style might not connect necessarily with the people that are looking for another shout to the Lord. Although some of my songs, that's what kind of awake was, you know, awake. I kind of did more contemporary style, more mm-hmm. contemporary Christian style. Yeah, and I thought people could use that kind of stuff if they wanted to, and so that's that's out there. Um, but I could do both, but I think there's, yeah, there's different there's different niches and. Um, I hope it takes off, you know, just kind of hope, like I hoped Greek songs would take off. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe Greek songs will pop, you know, you know, who knows? Well, you got a head start. <laughs> I got a head start. Like, you know, this classic, I'll be like the Paul Wilbur of Greek music or something. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know a, a good answer to that when what's going to happen. I hope it takes off. Me too. I mean, I think there's an authenticity to your music. I I remember meeting Je- uh, Dennis Jernigan back in the day. He came to a Langley Air Force Base when my mom was stationed there, and I was still a kid. And um, he wrote, I don't know, some of our listeners will remember the song "All in All." You are my yeah. strength when I am weak. You are the you are mm-hmm. the treasure that I seek. You're my all in all. And That's I had sung that song in a youth group so and, many and, times. <laughs> yeah. So Dennis Jernigan wrote that song, and um, he came. He was doing something where he was like, even if you only had a few people, he'd come to your military base and he'd perform. And I met him, and I was like, I met him in like the green room, and I was like, um, Hey, man, like, because I was a cynical teenager at the time, and I was like, Who out there is legit? Because at the time, like. I mean, I had grown up with Amy Grant and crossover potential and all this stuff. And I'm like, who out there, I asked him point blank, who out there is trying to get famous? And who out there is like, for real, who out there is authentic? And, um, you know, I won't tell you what he told me. I'm not, I won't tell you his yeah, answer. Yeah. But yeah. when I think about the kind of music you're doing, it seems to me that this music reflects an incredibly authentic heart. This is, this is like, you're not following any bandwagon in particular, but I think that people right now, like at this point in history, crave authenticity because we're tired of getting lied to. We're tired of celebrities. We want someone who's just speaking from their heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what I got from Tzion. I mean, I felt like it was just someone who, who just really, um, 
brought out something completely genuine. And I really appreciated that about your album. Absolutely. I, and I would, I, I would second that to say that musicians, I think so many musicians start out because they have been inspired by an idea or something that they want to share with the world. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a God-given thing in our world that, that you feel that there's a, a message to communicate. And, and sadly, to Jacob's conversation with Dennis, I mean, it, it does change for a lot of people. You, you begin to have to fit the mold. You begin to have to sell records or do tours when they used to have tours, and it becomes about money. There's nothing wrong with pursuing success. That's not what I'm saying. No. Yeah. But what I sense from you, Troy, and have always sensed in our personal interactions, playing guitar by a fire, watching you lead at Beth Emanuel, whatever it is, you do it because you love it. And, and God has, and that, that's never changed for you. And so when I listen to you talk about a record that's in Hebrew that, well, you know what, I hope everyone likes it, but this is, this is the language, this is the sound, this is what God's given me to share with the world. My hope and prayer for you is that more and more people will come and see that that is an authentic expression of worship. And so I'm thankful for your career, your heart, all the things that you've you have given to make messianic Jewish music what it is. You've been a contributor in in my life. I'm thankful. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we've come to the end of our scripted questions, but at the end of every podcast, we like to to shoot a few rapid fire questions at our guests. We don't give them these questions in advance. We ask that they answer off the top of their head, oh and all we can promise is that the stakes are low. So Troy Mitchell, worship leader hell? at Beth Emanuel Messianic Synagogue, author, director, producer, writer, performer of f at least four Messianic Jewish albums. First question, what's your favorite jazz album of all time? Um, McCoy Tyner. I don't know the name of the album. I uh, can't think of it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So listen to every McCord Tyner album. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. Second question. A lot of your songs are in minor keys. What would you say is the saddest of all keys? <laughs> e minor. Oh, so close. We were looking for D minor. I was going right. to say that. It was, it, was, it was off the tip of my tongue. I was like, but E minor is so much easier to play on guitar. So <laughs> It's true. It's true. So. All right. Um, third question, dream collab. If you could collaborate with any musician alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh, Shlomo Karlbach. There you go. Nice. Very good. Uh, fourth question, what brand of pick do you use? Uh, what are they? I, I get confused with the golf balls. Dunlop or Duncan? Or no, it's one? Dunlop. Do you, now, the, Dunlop. Ones with the, the ones with the ridges, or are you using the Tortex? Tortex. Okay. So the oh, medium. I think they're like green or yellow or something. The yellow ones. Tortex green, Tortex yellow. Who, kn who, who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I don't blind. I don't know what I mean. I just <laughs> like that one over there. And finally, <laughs> your favorite variety of apple to dip in honey on Rosh Hashanah. Honey crisp. Honey crisp. Oh, pulls. Oh, very don't convincingly. I, into I don't even the have lead. to hesitate there. You know, I don't even hesitate. Oh, man. It's the apple of the messianic era. <laughs> Absolutely understandable. You know, it's my wife's favorite as well. I've got a couple of them out in the back. We're waiting for the time when they produce millions of ripe apples. Oh. All right, Troy Mitchell, how can our uh, constituents, our listeners, get in touch with you, keep track of your career, support you financially, buy your album? Where can they find you on the internet? All right. You've got a lot of options. Uh, besides FFOZ, you can get all the albums there and digital hard copies. Um, you can find me on Spotify, iTunes, all your streaming services as well. I think Zion just came out on Spotify the other day. So that's up, uh, not making me any money. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with Spotify. So, sure, sure. But, you know, it's, and it's there. So, anyways, um, I don't want to belabor the point. Um, Patreon, if you want to support me, Patreon's probably the best way. Uh, you aren't familiar with patreon you can support artists and other different kinds of people that are doing things uh and you kind of pledge a monthly support um at different levels and you get certain access to different content nice. um, so uh some of my so like my vip patrons they've had all these songs for like a month or two 
Wow. So, so they've been, they, they know it. They know the stuff. So that's, that's the best way. Patreon. So Patreon, Troy Mitchell music, Troy underscore Mitchell underscore music or something like that. So look me up on Patreon. So there you go. Excellent. Thank you again for being here, my friend. Look forward to spending some time with you in the same room with a axe in hand at some oh, point in the near future. Oh yeah. Yes, please. Maybe so. Pray that your pray that your heart uh, comes through for people as they listen to the new album Sion. Everybody, pick mm-hmm. up a copy, enjoy, sit in your sukkah, and then listen to it long after that. Take care, Troy. Thank you. Thank you, Messiah Podcast listeners. We appreciate you. We are thankful for your support and ask. First things first, you got to hear Troy's new album. So go to ffoz.com and you can get yourself a copy of Tzion there. As far as this podcast goes, we, we keep doing what we're doing because of you. And we would appreciate your five-star reviews. Smash that subscribe button and tell your friends about Messiah Podcast. Until next time. Blessings to you all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Messiah Podcast, where Jesus is Jewish and that changes everything. This podcast is an extension of Messiah Magazine, available at messiahmagazine.org. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review along with a five-star rating wherever you're listening now. Today's podcast was hosted by myself, Jacob Franzak, along with Damian Eisner. Our executive producer is Boaz Michael, and the editor-in-chief is Daniel Lancaster. This episode was directed and edited by Jeremy Schoenwald. Original music was written and performed by Joshua Aaron. The show notes for Messiah Podcast were edited by Candy Bishop and are available at messiahpodcast.org. If you are interested in learning more about the Bible from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out Torah Club, which is an international network of small study groups who meet weekly to study the Bible together from a Messianic Jewish perspective. To start a club or join a club, go to torahclub.org. Until next time, Shalom. Let his word cover you and me Like the waters cover the sea Let his love cover you and me Like the waters cover the sea